Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 17 through 42. It begins on page 1085 in your pew Bible. And that's Acts, chapter 5, 17 through 42, page 1085 in your pew Bible. The word of God says, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as a leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from the house to house, 
they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Here ends the reading of our holy word. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My middle son, Ellis, who will be turning four at the end of May, is obsessed with birthdays. I mean, he has it all figured out. There's five of us in the family. And so he reminds us at least once a week that my, I had the last birthday in December. And then, then it's going to be his birthday next. But then after that, it'll be mom's birthday and then brother's birthday and sister's birthday. And then he points to me and he goes, and then you'll get a birthday again. He loves birthdays, and and birthday parties are his thing. He gets excited because there's going to be presents. Now, one thing he doesn't quite grasp yet at the age of three is that they're not for him to open. So he sits close to the birthday boy or girl and tries to help them open their presents excitedly and then show them exactly what it was that they were receiving as a gift. And he also really loves cake. Who here loves cake, right? One of the great things about birthdays is you get cake, all kinds of cake. You get big cakes, little cakes. As a kid, my mom would make my birthday cakes, and she bought different shaped pans. And the one I remember most is I got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle birthday cake. It was the coolest cake I've ever had. I don't remember the flavor, but it looked like a turtle. It was really cool. And you know, all through these years, there hasn't been any really great advancements or inventions to go along with birthday cakes. That was until a couple decades ago, when I was a younger child, these new fangled candles came out. You might remember the kind, the kind that you go and you put on the cake and everyone gathers around and you take the deep breath and you go, and then they stay lit. Remember when those came out? Greatest invention ever to come to birthday cakes. And and when they were brand new, it it was like this comedy of errors at birthday time because comedy works this way. You have this one expected path and answer and the punchline comes and it goes a completely different direction. So when you go to blow out the candles and they come back on, it, it fills with laughter in the room. Kids keep trying to blow them out and they were used for kids and, and over the hill parties to make you even feel even older and out of breath, that you just can't get the candle out. And, and people just had a good time with them. But the, the fact is, these candles could not be blown out. They could not be blown out. And neither can the gospel. You see, as we read the scripture today, we find that it begins with the apostles being persecuted once again. Now, they were persecuted previously in the book of Acts. If we remember, Peter and John had healed a man born lame. The chief priests got word of it, and the Sadducees, they pulled them and arrested them. They went before the Sanhedrin, and they told them, do not preach Jesus anymore. Do not speak of this resurrection And they threatened them. And they went out and they rejoiced and they prayed for boldness. Well, this persecution too comes on the heels of healing. This time all the apostles are involved. And it's not just one healing, but many healings. And and it says the chief priests and the Sadducees get filled with jealousy. And so they have the apostles arrested. And here in verse 18, it's because they were teaching and preaching Jesus, the gospel, the Christ. 
And so they were in prison. But even prison couldn't hold the gospel. For an angel of the Lord comes and in the night lets them out and tells them to continue preaching the word. And when the chief priest sends for the apostles to come before the council, there are no apostles in prison, but rather they have escaped. And instead of laying low when they escaped, they went right back to the temple and began teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ again. And then they got arrested again and brought before the council. And now all of the apostles are there. And the chief priest says, we told you to stop. And they answered, we cannot disobey God. And Peter and the apostles were not looking to win a trial or a case. But instead, they took the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The words are there. You hung this man on a tree and then God raised him to give us repentance and forgiveness of sins. Peter, in the council, under the threat of all of this, preaches the gospel again reminds them that Jesus and his blood is shed as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That on that cross, he did not deserve to die, but that's death we deserve. He died for our sins, reconciling us with God, giving us his righteousness, and God adopts us as his sons and daughters. And that the salvation we receive is that sin is no longer the barrier between us and God. And we don't only get eternity, but we get eternity with the Father. For any eternity without the Father is not worth having at all. Because Peter and the apostles, they were with Jesus. And if you remember, Jesus told the apostles, And we're teaching others to love your neighbor. He even taught them and said to love your enemies. And that's exactly what the apostles were doing in the midst of their enemies. The Sanhedrin council gathered that is going to lay charges upon them. They loved their enemies because they cared for their deepest need. See, we often interpret when Jesus says to love our neighbor or to love our enemies, to care for their needs, but we look only to temporary needs, needs that can be satisfied in this lifetime and on this earth. But the truest love we have for another, for our neighbor, for our enemy, because the scriptures teach us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of of God. And through the Old Testament, it is prophesied over and over again that there will be a Messiah who comes and lays down his life. And in Isaiah 53, by his stripes, we are healed. And Jesus comes and does just that. And the apostles look in the faces of their enemies and filled with love They tell them about Jesus and the gospel. The council didn't take too kindly to it. They wanted to kill them for sharing the gospel. A very pragmatic man, Gamaliel, stood up and and said, "Excuse uh, excuse them out of here so we can talk privately for a moment. And as they talked privately, he said, 
two other instances where there was a leader that rose up and then was killed and they dispersed. And he said, let's just give this thing some time. If they disperse, it goes away. It's nothing. But we could end up opposing God if we're wrong. Well, they brought him back in. Instead of killing them as they were enraged to do, they beat them and charged them not to speak of his name again. And this beating is, is interpreted as a flogging. And, and flogging from the Sanhedrin council in the first century Jude, Judaism would have been 40 lashes minus one. They received 39 lashes each. And the scriptures say, they walked out rejoicing, counting it as honor, for they were worthy to suffer for Christ. But then the next sentence comes. They'd been beaten and told not to preach of his name again. But the scripture says they went back to the temple. They went home to home and continued to teach and preach Christ. You cannot blow out the gospel. You cannot stop it. It won't end. We are here today because it hasn't been blown out. In fact, we are here today because someone took the time for that candle that can't be blown out to share it with us or invite us to a faith community that proclaimed it. And God worked on our heart, and here we are, gathered in worship, because the gospel cannot be blown out. See, the persecution didn't end here in the book of Acts for the church. In fact, it continues on today. But in the early church, it continued through the emperor Nero. In the first century, he reigned over Rome, and we've heard the stories of the imprisonment and the execution, and we, and we can name Peter and Paul as martyrs from Emperor Nero's reign, in which he even doused believers of Christ and then lit them on fire to light the way to Nero's circus, making them Roman candles. We can look to Emperor Domitian, he persecuted Christians who refused to give him divine honor and praise. And so when the apostle John would not bow down before him, he sent him to exile to the Greek island of Patmos. Yes, that apostle, the one who wrote the gospel and the letters and revelation. And then it would be under Emperor Marcus Aurelius who believed that Christianity was dangerous and immoral. And allowed mobs of people to attack Christians, persecuting them, torturing them, and killing them. Then under the next emperor, Emperor Decius, thousands died, including Fabian, the bishop of Rome. And here in the third century, Diocletian was the emperor, and he issued four edicts. He said, churches were to be burned. Scriptures were to be confiscated, clergy were to be tortured, and Christians were to be deprived of citizenship and executed. And this continued 
until the fourth century when Emperor Constantine then was converted to faith. But persecution didn't stop then. And the persecution of Christians couldn't blow out the gospel. It continued on to this day. See, there is an evangelistic passion that comes with following Jesus. There's something about having our deepest need met and a savior there who offered us grace. We paid nothing into this. He paid it all so that we may be forgiven and get God. That it sets our hearts on fire. We become like a shooken up soda bottle ready to explode. But something happens with those two liters, doesn't it? After the first time you open it and you drink it and you put it in the fridge for a couple days and you think, oh, I'll go, I'll go back to that, only you didn't screw the lid on tight enough. You pour yourself a nice glass of Dr. Pepper because I'm from Texas. That's what you drink. We also call that Coke. And so you drink a nice glass of that only to find out it's lost its fizz. It's flat. It's essentially watered-down syrup. Still has all of the properties of Coke, just without that fizz and bubbles. Churches and communities that have lost an evangelistic passion to go and share the gospel out of a deep love of our family members, of our neighbors, of our enemies, have also lost that fizz. But there's this truth. The gospel can't be blown out. So just because it was lost doesn't mean you can't get it back because remember, we serve a savior of lost things and people. And the Holy Spirit's given to those who obey them according to the scripture today as the apostles pointed out. That we can regain that evangelistic passion by simply obeying, by loving our neighbor and our enemies in the way Jesus called us to do so. See, as a kid, you as the church, Church Universal, taught me a song, a song you teach kids to this day. You taught me to hold up my finger and sing, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. Oh no. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. Oh no, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Because the gospel cannot be blown out. Amen.